Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today is Design Story Day. Today I'm going to talk about the design of Scars of Mirrodin. Um, so, there's many stories to tell. Um, let me first start by talking about the design team. Um, so the design team, this is going to seem like a long list. I'll explain in a second why the list is so long. So I, I let it let it. It had Mark Gottlieb, uh, Alexis Jansen, Eric Lauer, Matt Place, Mark Globus, and Nate Heiss. Um, now, most of those names should be familiar. Uh, Mark Gottlieb currently is the design manager, uh, and he was formerly the rules manager. Uh, and before that, actually, he was an editor for Magic in, in the very beginning. Um, yeah, Mark and I have a, a long relationship. It's funny because uh, when he was the rules manager, one of the running jokes is that the head designer and the rules manager you know, are, are mortal enemies. Um, because it's the job of the, of the head designer to do things we've never done before, and it's the job of the rules manager to make everything work just like we've always done it before. So, definitely, it's, it's the kind of thing, like, uh, door to nothing, for example, I really wanted to destroy a target player. That was the effect. And, the, and he's like, no, no, we have, you know, it's target player loses the game. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, 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 I, I understand that's how we write it, but it'd be much more exciting if it's destroy a target player. And, like, kind of the, it's that conflict that we always had of, of he's trying to figure out how to how to take things and word them as we've always done, and I'm always trying to find ways to make things seem exciting and different, and so I want to try things a little differently than we've done before. But anyway, regardless of the fact uh, that we, we had the little ongoing joke of, of uh, uh, we actually get along pretty well, and um, he became my design manager uh, a little over a year ago, I think. Uh, so the way it works is um, we have a six-person design team. Um, I'm no longer in charge of managing the team. That's, that's Mark's job. Uh, I'm in charge of, of overseeing their technical skills, and I'm in charge of overseeing design. Um, but the idea is that by having a manager, then I have to do less management, and I can focus and spend more time on doing design, because I, I, I'm a better designer than I'm a manager. Um, and it just the problem is that there's so much going on that just I, having to spend time to do all the management stuff just kept me away from doing design stuff. And so uh, I now have a manager who does the management stuff, which is Mark Gottlieb. Uh, and Mark is an awesome designer. Um, he has led... A couple sets. Uh, he's leading a set right now. Uh, so he he's uh, he, and he and I worked on it together. He and I co-led Geek Crash. So um, Alexa Jansen, uh, winner of the first great designer search, just led her her first set with um, Dragon's Maze. Um, she's been on a lot of teams. She's very good. Um, obviously, she's a great designer. Uh, and uh, but she doesn't work in R and D. She's one of the people we have on loan. She actually works in digital, working on Magic Online and all sorts of stuff there. Um, but we borrow her from time to time. Uh, Eric Lauer is currently the head developer. Well, the, the equivalent, I'm the head designer. He's the equivalent uh, for development. And um, uh, at the time, though, he wasn't, he, he was not yet, did not yet have the position because this, this is a while back. Uh, and Matt Place was also a developer. Uh, and like I said, Matt's one of my favorite developers of all time, although he currently does not work at Wizards. Uh, and then Nate, Hi- uh, Mark Lobitz, uh, is uh, another person who came from the first grade designer search. He came in fourth, I believe. And he is the producer for Magic, which means that we have a lot of balls in the air. Uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, and he's the one that just makes sure that everything is running smoothly. And he oversees that. And it's, it's a very complex job. There's a lot going on. Uh, and Globus is kind of uh, Aaron's right-hand man to make sure that everything's running smoothly. Um, and then uh, Nate Heiss... Uh, no longer works at Wizards, but he was very involved with uh, 
uh, our digital games, and uh, I remember Gleamax, a, a thing we tried for a while to make a social gaming thing that didn't quite work out. Um, but anyway, he was one of the designers that, he wasn't a magic designer, I mean, he didn't work specifically on magic, but he played magic, and he was, I mean, he was a long-time magic player. And so uh, we had him on. Um, so what happened was, the reason this is so large is we actually had one team, and then in the middle we switched up some stuff. So I think what happened is, like, the team originally was me and Alexis and Gottlieb and Matt, um, and then halfway through, and Nate, and Nate, I think. And then halfway through, I swapped, Matt got swapped out for Eric, and Nate got swapped out for Globus. Um, and so I'll explain as I get into my story why we swapped halfway through, because that's something I, I don't think I've ever explained. So, to really talk about where this set came from, we have to go back. Go back in the, in the time machine to Mirrodin. Okay, so, um, actually, farther than that. Uh, so, I talked about how there's a story that I at least started the ball rolling called the Weatherlight Saga. Uh, and the Weatherlight Saga uh, ended up in the Invasion block. At this point, I wasn't very involved in the story anymore, but... Um, so, Invasion, for those that do not know, and there are people at R&D who have claimed they do not know... It was about an invasion uh, by the Phyrexians on Dominaria, and thanks to lots of planning by Urza and all sorts of stuff, uh, the Phyrexians are defeated. Utterly defeated. They are destroyed. Finally, the, the curse of the Phyrexians has been wiped from the multiverse. Now, for those who know anything about uh, good, good storytelling, uh, you don't just completely kill off uh, villains as good as the Phyrexians. And, and, and let me be clear. I love the Frexians. They are my favorite villains. Of all magic, like, as far as I'm concerned, I consider them the Lex Luthor to, to, the, to magic Superman. Now, there's others that argue maybe that's Nicole Bolas. Um, I mean, he's the other big bad guy. Um, but to me, the Frexians have always been, I mean, literally since the early days of magic, have been one of the most awesome villains. And the reason I love the Frexians, I've talked about this before, is they're what I call environmental villains, which is magic does a good job of showing you an environment. And the Phyrexians are not just a singular thing. They are themselves an environment. It's very easy to show Phyrexia because they get to show up in lots of cards because what they do is they infect the environment. And that's very visible. And I, I enjoy that. Um, I also enjoy the Phyrexians for other reasons. I mean, they were my favorites before this happened. But also, the Phyrexians were my means to bring back poison to the game. Um, I'll talk about this briefly, which is when I first started playing Magic, way, way back when, well... I started in Alpha, but when I picked up Legends, uh, Legends introduced the concept of poison. I think it was on a couple cards. Uh, and I thought the idea was awesome. Like, I poison my opponent, and then just, no matter what, he gets 10 poison, dead. I thought that I, I spent so much time building poison decks, and, um, and poison for a long time was something that Magic kind of did, and dribs and drabs, and it was never at a high power level. Um, but I loved it, nonetheless. I love, I mean, I'm a Johnny, so, like, I was just, I love trying to win with weird ways. And so, like, trying to win with a poison deck back in the day was, was quite the challenge. Um, and, but anyway, and then around the time of, oh, what happened was, Tempest was going to have a poison theme. Um, in fact, Bogavati, which is the, uh, code name for, te- for Tempest, was, uh, named after a land of poison snakes, an, in, an Indian land of poison snakes. Because originally, Tempest was, as it was a poison set with lots of poison in it. And uh, it was decided at the time of Tempest that we didn't want to be in the poison game, that uh, enough people, not, not me obviously, uh, thought that poison wasn't right for magic. And so poison went away. And I made it my goal, 
one of, one of my goals. Uh, I really wanted to bring Poison back. And I, I, during Unglued 2, I tried to bring Poison back, and then Unglued 2 never actually saw the light of day. Um, and I kind of knew I wanted to bring it back, but I was just waiting for the right time in the right place. Because one of the things I've learned is, um, I, play, I play Magic for the long game. Meaning, if I have a good design, I, I wait for the right place to put it. Because the worst thing you can do is put a design in the wrong place and try to force it. Because A, not only will it usually not end up in the set, but then people think very badly of it, and they think of it as being this bad mechanic. You know, one of the, one of the things that I'm constantly doing as a head designer is making people understand that, you know, just because a mechanic doesn't work doesn't make it a bad mechanic. It just means it's not right for this set. You know, and a lot of times you'll try something and it'll fail, and that doesn't mean the mechanic is a failure. It means it doesn't support what you need right now. And so I wanted to make sure, because Poison already had a lot going against it, I didn't want to sort of try to make Poison work until I knew I could do it correctly. Okay, so now, now, now let's go to Mirrodin. Um, in Mirrodin, um, Brady Dumrith got a pretty cool idea. He said, the Frexians are a cool villain. We don't want to forever flush the Frexians away. You know, and, 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 and to be fair, you know, uh, if you send any story, I, I talk about the Frexians as being the plague um, archetype. Uh, like zombies and the Borg and um, invasion of the body snatchers. The idea is we come, um, we will make you part of us. You know, like we will we will grow and then you will become us. And that's very scary, you know. Um, and the idea is every person who falls, they're stronger, right? It makes a very hard army to, to fight against. Um, but if you ever watch at the end of any one of those films, especially like in the 50s or 60s, you know, it's like... The curse is, is we, we've, we've beaten them. And then there's always some shot of some little guy that got away. And like, the end? Question mark? So, like, we kind of are hard hearts new. I mean, be, being that the Frexians literally go down to a drop of oil, they are a hard enemy to truly eradicate. Um, and so Brady came up with this neat idea that, um, for, uh, that Karn had gotten um, tainted when he had visited Frexian somewhere during the Urza Saga storyline, I believe. But he was a planeswalker, and the spark kept the infection from happening, and so or kept it at bay. And the idea was that Karn would inadvertently spread the plague. And so, in the Mirrodin book, like when we came up with the idea of Mirrodin, Brady had the idea, and we put it in into Mirrodin that the Frexians had got a little tiny handhold. And in fact, if you look, there's, there's lots of little subtle clues about the fact that the Frexians are there. And the idea was that we were going to come back years later and, um, in fact, in fact well, here's how we originally were going to do it, was we were going to, the set was going to be new Phyrexia. And like, oh my God, the Phyrexians, they're not dead. What happened? Look here they are. And the big kind of like, you know, the big, you know, the big uh, turn with the musical sting at the end of the block was, oh my gosh, it's Mirrodin! You know, kind of like, uh, well, I don't want to ruin Planet of the Apes, but uh, if you know what, if you've ever seen Planet of the Apes, you know the scene I'm talking about, where you're like, oh my god! Um, and so we wanted to have that moment. The pro- but there were a couple problems. One is that, um, so when I started, I was supposed to be designing New Phyrexia. That, that was what I started when, when the whole thing began. I was designing New Phyrexia. But here's the problem that I ran into was the Phyrexians are all about like, you know, infecting and, and, and overtaking worlds, right? That's their thing. And, like, we started after their thing. Like, okay, they're here. Now they're fighting each other because they have no one else left to fight. And, 
And what we found was it was a very hard story to tell. Like, for starters, the Phyrexians hadn't been in the set for a long time. Like, who are the Phyrexians? And we realized that we kind of had to reintroduce the Phyrexians. And so the first half of the design, I was, like, just trying to understand and figure out, like, what the block was about. And I was very confused because, you know, it was it kind of the story, like, there's a story I wanted to tell. And, and members of my team keep kept prepping in and saying, hey, you know, shouldn't we tell, like, isn't it more exciting to tell about them invading? And I said, yeah, but we're supposed to be doing new Phyrexia. And finally, finally, like, uh, and so the reason, by the way, we switched teams was just I was, I was kind of stuck. Um, and I actually got called in for Bill, and Bill's like, what's going on? This, you seem to be spinning your wheels. And I explained what's going on, and Bill said, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to change up the team a little bit. I'm going to change a few people out. And uh, he gave me this pep talk, and, and so kind of what happened was I said, okay, okay, let's stop. Because I, I spent a lot of the early time of the design trying to understand who the Phyrexians were. Because one, one of my new goals is, and uh, that by the time we got to Scars of Mirrodin, I was doing something different with design, something that I do now, which is I'd like to think of the idea that the game mechanics are an aspect of the flavor. That if you want to get the flavor of an environment, you know, you have the art, you have the names, you have the flavor text, but you also have the mechanics. And I want the mechanics to represent the story so that as you play, you feel the story through the play. That's very important to me. And I'm very big on the emotional sort of... I want the gameplay itself to have an emotional, flavorful component. Um, and in some ways, Scars and Mirrodin might have been the first set where I was really trying to do this so hard. I mean, I mean, Innistrad would come later, and that's where I, I sort of like... Uh, anyway, I, I feel like Scars and Mirrodin... One of my goals was I wanted you to get a sense of the Phyrexians. I really wanted mechanically to define them in a way that made you sort of afraid of them. Um, and I, I knew in the back of my head the poison... Poison was a very good fit for the Frexians. The Frexians were all about taking things over and then, you know, polluting them, essentially. Uh, and so, like, okay, look, the, the, the Frexians taint you and take you over. So, you know, Poison felt like a neat way to represent that. So one of the things that we talked a lot about was I said to my team, I said, you know, let's, let's metaphorically figure out what... what um, what the Frexians were. And so, after thinking about a lot of it, I finally realized that they were a disease. You know, that they were, you know, they were a bad guy, but they were a bad guy in a metaphorical way that sort of like, the way his disease is so scary is that it comes and slowly infects you and it, it takes over your cells and it, it, start kind of, it starts turning your body against itself. You know, and that I liked that idea of these guys being a disease. So, what I did was I came up with four um, adjectives to represent them. See if I can remember my four adjectives. Uh, I wanted them to be relentless. I wanted them to be toxic. I wanted them to be adaptive. And I wanted them to be... What was the last one? Um, one more. Uh, and really what I did is I, I said I wanted to get different mechanics to sort of represent... Um, that state, you know, um, and so, what was that the one? Um, 
Well, so anyway, the toxic part, I knew poison made a lot of sense. And so very early on, we were messing with poison. Uh, we started with poisonous, uh, which I used in Future Sight. So the idea of poisonous was the way most of the poison creatures worked uh, in the early days was I hit you um, and then uh, I did poison to you. Now, some of them replace the damage with the poison, meaning some of them... Um, Instead of dealing damage, you did poison. Some of them weren't blocked in poison. Um, but the, the thing that was important was, I, I like the idea that these things are, you know, they're, you don't want them to hit you. They, they, they're scary to you. Um, but poisonous wasn't getting the job done. And that, the, the problem with poisonous was, okay, so if I'm poisonous too, that means when I hit you, I do two poison. So there were a couple problems. One was, um, that there were just times where I would beat you with damage before I beat you with poison. Especially if I was, I was mixing together poison and non-poison creatures. Um, but the, the bigger problem was that it wasn't... So, for example, let's say I have a poisonous two creature. Okay, so I attack you. You're now at two poison. Okay, so now I attack you again. You're at four poison. So now I attack you again. You have four poison. You're not scared of this guy yet. You're like, whatever, I have four poison. Fine, I'll take two more poison. Like, he, the poison guys didn't get scary until um, you were, like, a, until the lethal hit would get you, they weren't scary. And what I wanted to do was I needed a little more uncertainty. Like, I didn't... Cause what happened with the poison creatures, the, the poisonous, was, like, they weren't kind of scary until the absolute positive end. And I wanted to find a way to say, hey... Maybe you want to block these guys, you know. Because, like, the flavor, the flavor was never block a poison creature, you know, unless you're going to die to damage or die to poison. Otherwise, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, and there wasn't any real, you know, like, they weren't scary to block. They, they weren't that scary to hit you. Like, it, like I said, one of the things I wanted is I wanted to bring the Frexians back. I thought they were the most awesome villains we had. I wanted you afraid of them. I wanted you to go, oh, my God, the Frexians. Oh, my God, the Fre- Oh, you know, I'm scared the Frexians are here. Um, and I thought poison could do that, but it, it wasn't, it just wasn't, wasn't getting the job done. Um, and so, um, one of the things that came up was, we, we came up with the idea of, so, uh, Wither is a mechanic from Shadowmore, uh, which, which interesting, Nate Heiss, who was also on, um, on this set, Nate Heiss, um, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I came up with Wither. Nate Heiss came up with Persists. So, um, but anyway, Nate Height was part of, actually, he was on Lorwyn design, and he came up with it. In early Lorwyn design, we were thinking of using minus one, minus counters to represent things not being as deadly, but it ended up making them seem deadlier. I'll, I'll get there on the Lorwyn uh, podcast. Um, anyway, uh, so Wither was a mechanic that, yeah, actually, I, I'd come up with Wither. Um, during uh, uh, Shadowmore, to represent the idea of something that had a, a permanence to its damage. That, like, every time... Because normally in Magic, what Richard had come up with is... The, I mean, basically what Richard wanted is he wanted a simple system as possible for, for damage. And so what he said is, look, creatures get in a fight, something happens, and then whatever, you, you heal. Uh, and the major reason Richard did that was he just didn't want to track it. You know, oh, got to remember this one has one damage on it, this one has two damage. Like, in a video game, whatever, it can be tracked. But in a, in a paper game... It just was a lot of bookkeeping. And Richard's like, whatever, you kill it, you don't kill it, it gets better. Um, 
And so the idea of wither was kind of like, oh, well, no, 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 these things don't get better. These things, you know, if they bite you, you are, you are damaged and you are not healing. Um, and so what happened was I ended up putting wither on some guys. So I, I like the idea of wither felt like, oh, these guys are scary, they're poisonous. You know, hey, creatures, you kind of don't want to be poisoned by this thing. So we put wither on it. Um, and so wither, um, what we had done with wither was, originally when we made wither, it was, if you blocked, you got so many minus one, minus one counters. Um, but what we ended up doing was we tied wither to damage, which said it dealt its damage to creatures in the form of minus one, minus one counters. Um, and that just played a lot better, because otherwise there was a lot of math that went on. It's like, let's just clean. He does two damage to you, fine. You have to get two counters. Um, and so what it did was we replaced his damage with minus one, minus one counters. So what happened was, in, in Scarves of Mirrodin, we, I started putting Wither on these guys, because I wanted, I wanted your creatures to be afraid of them. Um, and one day, I don't know, one day this neon light, I, I, I just remember, like, um, you know, something's just leaning obvious, and then one day, just, like, you, you see it. Because uh, we had Wither on a lot of creatures, and Wither dealt damage in the form of minus one, minus one counters. And then one day, uh, it's just like, why doesn't poison deal damage in the form of poison counters? Like, that's, that's exactly what we want. Um, and the reason that that was so awesome was that it, it had the thing I'm missing, which is, let's say I have four poison and you attack with this 2-2 creature. Well, you might be able to make the creature bigger. You can giant growth it or something, meaning I don't know how much poison I might be taking. I have to be careful. And so the, uh, you know, it, it definitely said... It, it, the fact that, that magic gives you variables on power, tying it to power had all this dynamic stuff. Also, what it meant is all of a sudden things mattered. For example, we were in Mirrodin. Mirrodin wanted a lot of equipment because we're back on Mirrodin. Well, hey, you know, the second that, that Infect dealt on damage, any, any equipment that boosted power was now much more interesting, you know, playing with the Phyrexian, playing with Infect. Um, and it, I mean, it made giant ghosts more interesting. It made damage prevention more interesting. Anything that interacted with damage, and magic has a bunch of things that interact with damage, all of a sudden became much more interesting. You know, trample became more interesting. You know, it, it definitely did, did this thing where it said, oh, this is neat. Okay, now I, magic plays around with damage. This now cares across damage. And so for a while, we had um, both Wither and, uh, in, we started calling Infect. Um, and then one day, we were just like, why are we... Why, like I, I, most of the cards had infect and wither, and I'm like, why are we bothering to write wither on these cards? What if infect just had wither built in? Look, I'm poisonous. I hit you. I give you in, in charge. You know, I give you damage to poison counters. Creatures, I get damage to minus one minus counters, and it all just came together. And it was a, it was a beautiful package. Um, but meanwhile, while we were slowly solving the problem of how to make the Phyrexian scary, um, we had a bigger problem, which was what was the block about? So one of the things I talk about in block design is it's very important when designing a block that there's some, that each set in the block has to have its own identity. That's one of the big things about block design. That um, what we've discovered is that blocks do the best when each block is about something, you know. And from time to time, it's clear when we, we don't get, like, for example, I think in Innistrad, one of my, my regrets about Dark Ascension was we didn't give it enough of its own identity. That it just was kind of like more Innistrad. And what it needed to be was something where it had... Like, I, I think we, we excel best, especially with the middle set, when the middle set is it represents something. 
Um, and so I liked a lot the idea of um, instead of end, instead of starting with the end. Um, I, eventually, what happened was Bill gave me this pep talk, and I, I walked into Bill's office like I don't know a couple weeks later. And I because what, what Bill said to me, I'll, Bill, Bill said something very nice, which was I was kind of stuck. Um, and Bill basically gave me a pep talk and said, "Look, Mark, you're good. You're very good." And he goes, "I think what's happening is." you are trying to deliver what you think other people want rather than what you want. You know, and, and he said, stop trying to, you know, stop trying to, because for some reason I was in this mindset of, I don't even know why, I mean, that's a longer issue, but I, I Bill really sort of, sort of slapped me out of it and said, look, make something that you think is awesome and, you know, that, that's where you shine. Don't, don't try to make something awesome. And this is, a, this is an awesome lesson, by the way. Lesson Bill gave me is an awesome lesson, which is if you want to make something awesome, you have to make something awesome that you, the designer, believe is awesome, that, that follows your heart. And the, re- the, re- the reality is design of any kind, any kind of creative design, is, is built on passion. If you, the, the creator, are not passionate, it will not have passion in it, and it will not excel. That if you want to make something that is truly awesome, that is truly something that stands out, it has to believe because you, the creator, have put some of yourself in it. And in order to do that, you have to believe in it with all your heart. And if you don't believe in all your heart, it'll, it'll just... If, when you try to make something for somebody else, you, 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 you will ultimately fail. I mean, I'm not saying you can't make something for somebody else, but it will not be... If you want to hit it out of the ballpark, you have to make it something that is you, that belongs to you. Um... And I think for some reason I, I got stuck up in this project. I'm not sure why. Um, I was excited by the Frexians. I was excited to sort of show what they could do. I was excited to Poison. But I, I kind of, when we had started, we had started this parameter of, you know, hey, we're on New Frexia. And I, what I realized was the whole reveal, the whole, like, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe this is, this, this is uh, Mirrodin. That works great in a movie. In a movie, you have a focused moment where everybody's watching, and like you get a you know you get an end, and the music has the sting, and like oh my god! But that doesn't happen in a trading card game, you know. That it's hard for you to have that moment. And we were kind of we do this sometimes. We have this awesome cinematic moment, and then we forget like we're not a movie. Like we don't have that moment. And what we what I realize is magic stories that excel are magic stories that can be told in a way that magic excels at. And what does magic do really well? Telling what I call environmental stories. Watching an environment change. That's why, if you notice, so often, you know, dramatic events happen in the world. It's like, the world have to change. It's the nature of what makes magic magic. Because if we're going to show you something, we can't show you tiny, nuanced, little things. You know, we have to show you, here's a world. Here's a different world or a change world or something that says, hey, things are fundamentally different. That's how we show things. Because that's, what, that's, that's the paintbrush we use. And so um, I sort of walked away. And my, I, in my heart of hearts, I knew this. And my team had been saying this. And like, I finally walked into Bill and said, okay, Bill, we're telling the wrong story. I said, you want to tell the story. The awesome story we have to tell here is the Phyrexians take over Mirrodin. That's the story. Um, and so I, I said, look, it's, it's, you don't want to, st- we're starting with the end. You don't want to start with, and, and they've won. No, the, the, this is an amazing story of watching the Mirrodins, one of the badasses of all time, you know, being taken over by the Frex. Like, really what this was, was we were putting a stake in the ground and saying, the Frexians are back, and they're bad. You know, they took down, bad, bad in 
you know, very good. Uh, and they took down the the Myrdans, who were this potent force that we were, we wanted to put the the whole point of this block was to put the Fretons back on the map of saying, remember these guys? Hey, these are some of the these are magic, these are one of the best magic villains you've ever seen. And so I said, we're telling the wrong story. Uh, and then Bill said, you know, but uh, Bill came up with the idea of um, well, could we make it dramatic? Who wins? And I, and I said to Bill, I go, well, the problem is we're going to announce the name of the third set. That's going to give it away. So I'm not sure if we can, you know, keep it secret. And then Bill said, well, wait, what if we don't announce the name? And I'm like, no, we have, you know, we have to send out, like, in order for people to order stuff, we have to send things out. And Bill says, oh, oh, oh okay, what if we give two names? And Bill suggested the idea of, well, what if we didn't let people know how the block ended? You know, that we started the story and then we gave them two outcomes and we could actually, you know, people were ordering the product. We could actually not even tell them the name. It's one of these two names. And that's what we did, by the way. Which, which by the way, is, is one of the things I love about doing magic is that we're a game about breaking rules. But that doesn't just mean breaking rules we've broken before. Sometimes it means breaking rules we've never broken before. And like, I remember, you know, uh, we, we went to the sales team and said, guys, what do you think? You know, of we're going to try to sell a set and we're not even going to tell people the name. It's like either A or B. It's one of the two. And what the salespeople said is, oh, awesome, no problem. This is magic. You know, you know how we sell a magic set? We say, we're making another magic set. You know, and, and they, they, like, he said, it'd be awesome. It, in fact, it'd be something that they were excited by because it's something that was out of the ordinary. That what they love when they go to sell sets is to, to perk up, you know, you, the people who buy sets, you want to perk their interest a little bit and go, what's going on? And go, okay, it's a set that we don't even know. You're not even going to know which set it is, you know. And, and the, the retailers and the distributors, they really actually, they, they got into it. That was fun. Because what they realized was, look, magic is magic. They had a lot of trust in us. They knew we were going to do a good job. And so they were like, hey, let's, let's have some fun. And so once we took that idea and we ran with it, okay, so the idea was, okay, so now we clicked in. We said, okay, we're going to tell a story. We're going to tell a story. One of the rules about telling a story is figure out where you want to end and then go to the, go to the opposite side of the spectrum. That's how you tell a good story, okay? So, for example, um, let's say you have a story about a guy who realizes how to be selfless, of how, you know, in the end he becomes someone who really learns to, to share with the world or whatever. Well, in the beginning of the story, he better be a selfish guy. He's got to be selfish because you need to have the room for him to grow. You know what I'm saying? That, I mean, like Jerry Maguire, like Jerry Maguire has to start the way he starts so that he has room to grow, you know. Um, that that the, Part of, of any sort of story is the main character is what's called an arc. Um, and so uh, you have to start in the opposite place. It's, and it's not just with character, you know, that um, the beginning of the story is you're taking yourself in a different direction. So we're like, okay, if we know, we knew we were ending with the Phyrexians, the new Phyrexia. Phyrexians have taken over, redone Mirrodin. Mirrodin, as you know, it is dead. It is now new Phyrexia, right? And so in order to do that, we're like, okay, we know we want to end with new Phyrexia. So where do we start? So I'm like, okay, what we want to do is let's go back to the earliest point we can where the Phyrexians are the smallest threat they can feel. Like, like, they have to be enough of a presence that you know they're there, but, like, mostly it's mirrored in. Now, the other big thing this allowed us to do is Phyrexia is pretty dark. You know, new Phyrexia is pretty dark. And I'm like, you know... I think we could do a set of New Phyrexia, but do we want to do a block of New Phyrexia? It's pretty dark. And what I like the idea is, look, let's go back to Mirrodin. 
like by, by rolling back the thing, hey, we got to revisit Mirrodin. We got to see Mirrodin again. And I was kind of excited, you know, before we turned Mirrodin into New Phyrexia, let, let's see Mirrodin again. You know, and I, and I, I thought it was awesome. That, I mean, for example, we had been back to Dominaria many times, but this was the first time we really said, hey, we've been to this world, we're going back to this world. You know, and Mirrodin at the time had been the best-selling set, and we knew people liked Artifact World. Now, the, the wheels fell off the bus a little bit in Mirrodin Block, and that, um, the, the, the tournament scene broke. We, we had some developmental issues, and we, we put out a lot of broken cards. Um, and, you know, that caused all sorts of problems. But people liked Mirrodin World. Mirrodin sold real well. They liked Artifact World. I mean, they liked a lot of what Mirrodin had to offer. And so the idea was, let's go back to Mirrodin. Let's make sure it's not broken this time. Um, oh, I, I mean, as you'll see next week, uh, I, I did suggest some crazy stuff in that area. But anyway, um, so what happened was uh, we rolled back, and I said, okay, how small could Phyrexia be? It has to be big enough that you notice it, but, but the smallest it could be that you notice it. And I, and I finally we said, okay, um, we came up with 10%. We said, what if the Frexians are 10%? That's 1 in 10. That means every booster, the, the ass fan would be high enough that they showed up, that every booster you'd see a little bit of Frexia. Um, you know. and, and then, by the, by the way, so the next problem that rolled into was how we represented the Frexian. So that, uh, I guess I'll get it started later, but, but that's where the watermarks came in. Because one of our concerns was that we wanted the first set to be 10%, uh, and then we wanted it to grow. Um, and the idea, by the way, was, okay, well, if we wanted, if we thought it would be neat that the middle set was about who wins. So what that meant is, okay, the middle set had to be a war, because then the outcome of the war would be the third set, right? Um, and the neat thing about Scars is something that we, we one of the problems of, of uh, storytelling has what's called three-act structure, uh, in which um, usually Act 2 is the largest act, and Act 1 sets things up, and Act 2 is the main part of it. Act 3 is the, the wrap-up. For, for those that uh, read my article, uh, Act 1 is comfort, Act 2 is surprise, Act 3 is completion. Anyway, um, so the problem we run into a lot of times is that we kind of set up the conflict, and then like the third set... Like, this time, we set up the conflict in the second set so the third set can answer it. Sometimes the conflict's in the third set, and then it's hard for us to tell you the answer. Even if it's in the set, it's hard to see. Where the nice thing about Scars and Mirrodin is, there was a conflict. Who won? Everybody can tell you who won. There's no mystery, you know. Like, the Eldrazi ended up on Mirrodin. What happened? Not a lot of people know the outcome of that. But, you know, New Phyrexia, like, okay, Mirrodin got invaded by the Phyrexians. Who won? That's clear. The Phyrexians won. Um, but we knew we wanted to set up a conflict, so okay. That means the middle set, it has to go either way. Well, how, how do you represent either way? 50-50, right? Half and half. Um, and so in order to do that, we, we said, okay, well, the first set's going to go back as far as we can. We thought 10%. Um, and then we use watermarks, because how do you tell the set went from 10% to 50%? That's hard to tell. You know, can, can you look at a piece of art and go, oh, that's clearly Frexian art? Some people can. Uh, but but it's, it's murky, it's muddy, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So we use the watermarks to represent that. Okay, well, I'm now pulling into my, into my park, or a parking space. Um, so clearly, part two is coming tomorrow. Um, so, so basically, here's where we left. I'll, I'll leave the story with it to be continued. Is we figured out the block structure was we wanted to tell the war. We wanted to show the corruption of Mirrodin. 
So we had a first set that introduced them, the introduced Mirrodin, and, and mostly in, as Mirrodin. Hey, we get to revisit Mirrodin. We get to learn this place. Before we take it over, we get to meet it all over again. We had just enough Phyrexian so you understand the threat is there. The second set would be half and half, a war between the two sides. The third set would be the victor, and that was us getting to blow out New Phyrexia. Anyway, that's the setup. Tomorrow, I'll talk about how we made that all happen. So anyway, thanks for joining me today. Uh, not tomorrow. Next week. Um, see, here's the secret. Whenever I do multiple, multiple podcasts, I have to talk about it tomorrow so I remember what I said today. So I'm going to record this tomorrow. But you guys actually are going to hear it next week. So um, next week will be part two um, when I talk about all the mechanics and, and sort of how we took what the framework that I set up and how we then fleshed it out to, to make the, 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 the block of, of, of Scarves of Mirrodin. And, and I'll talk more specifically about how we made Scarves of Mirrodin itself since... That's what, that's, that's what this podcast is about. Anyway, so thank you very much for joining me today, and uh, it's time to go make the magic.